Well, this Wednesday marks an important anniversary. It is the 25th anniversary of the death of Diana, Princess of Wales. Many of you will remember, as I do, where you were when word of the 35, the 36-year-old having been involved in a serious car crash in Paris along her then-boyfriend Dodi Fayed first broke, and where you were when her death was announced hours after that. It prompted, of course, an outpouring, really an avalanche of sympathy in the UK, across the Commonwealth, such as here in Canada, and right around the world. Remember, more than a million bouquets were left outside Diana's home at Kensington Palace in the days following her death. And in so many ways, the presence of the People's Princess and her legacy is still felt very deeply today, both inside the monarchy with how it works, our perception of it, and of course, far beyond. She was, as she admitted, a source of seemingly endless media attention and public fascination. Here she is speaking in 1993, following her separation from Prince Charles. When I started my public life 12 years ago, I understood the media might be interested in what I did. I realized then their attention would inevitably focus on both our private and public lives. But I was not aware of how overwhelming that attention would become. Diana speaking back in 1993. Well, few knew her in those years leading up to her divorce from Prince Charles and death. Then her equerry and later private secretary and chief of staff, Patrick Jeffson. He was a former naval officer, is a former naval officer, who worked as closely as anyone could with Diana as her senior advisor for much of the period between 1988 and 1996. And Patrick Jeffson, now a consultant, journalist, broadcaster, New York Times bestselling author of books including Shadows of a Princess and The Megan Factor, joins us now. Thank you so much for your time. Ben, good to be with you. It is a remarkable story how you got that job because you were in the Navy one day and a few days later you were, you were working for Diana. It's, how did that happen? Yes, it, it does seem a bit surreal even looking back at it. The, the procedure is fairly simple. Senior members of the royal family have lent to them, on a, usually on a two-year loan, um, officers from, from the armed forces, on a uh, secondment as military aid, known as an equerry. And uh, each service puts up two candidates. I was told I was one of the Navy candidates. It's not something you volunteer for. I was also told that I wasn't going to get the job. <laughs> so I was quite relaxed. I was just glad to be off my, my beautiful frigate that we'd been um, bobbing around in the North Atlantic on patrol uh, for, for weeks and weeks. And suddenly, instead of being on the frigate with my shipmates, I was having lunch at Kensington Palace with the world's most famous and beautiful woman. And this was the selection process. So because I thought I wasn't going to get the job, I just, I just relaxed and enjoyed it. I thought I can tell my grandkids I met Princess Di. And maybe because I was relaxed, um, you know, we got on quite well. And she offered me the job. And then two years later, instead of going back to the Navy, because she and Charles were splitting up, she said, I want my own office. I want my own organization and I want you to set it up and run it for me and she said to me Patrick we're going to go conquer the world and I could hardly say no to that certainly not well you hardly couldn't um how was she I mean we know so much of Diana the public figure but it's very hard to imagine intimate Diana you know day to day the Diana that had to confront the media the Diana that had to confront the ups and downs the many ups and downs that you would have witnessed that you would have helped her through well, Ben, that's a, that is, you know, the 
the recurring question, what was she like? And I was just looking at my old diary. It is 35 years ago next month uh, that I did that, that uh, selection process, that lunch. And that was wow. the first time people said to me, what was she really like? And for the last 35 years, I've been trying to find the ultimate answer. So I will try. I mean, she was, it's easier almost to say what she was not. She, I mean, she is remembered as being very approachable and relatable and informal and empathetic. And she was all those things. But she was not the girl next door. She was very much an aristocratic woman. She was in many ways more royal than the royal family themselves. She had a kind of innately regal quality. And I think if you ask anybody who met her, they would say the same. She looked like a princess. She spoke like a princess. She uh, acted like a princess, not least because she knew that if people were going to wait to see her for you know, hours and hours, she needed to make sure they were not disappointed. And also, and this is a very important point about her, she was a very disciplined person. She made her, her job look easy. She made it possible to be spontaneous uh, and uh, to be outgoing and, and approachable because she worked so hard on her preparation. I would, I would do briefing folders for her. I would research things for her. And yet she would always want more. She was brilliant at devouring her briefing notes. She was um, meticulous, not just about her own appearance, but about the whole standard of, of her team. We were a very small little team, but she was insistent that we would be the best. She called us the A-team. And we knew that for her to be her best, her spontaneous uh, and uh, um, wonderfully engaging uh, self, we had to put in the hard work first so that, so that she could make it look easy. It's always been thought of that she was quite vulnerable. I think a lot of people remember back to her wedding day, the early Diana. But I've heard you describe her as being tough, that she was tough. She was, a, she was a formidable person and, and someone who would not back down in the face of adversity. Yes, she was this fascinating um, mixture in a way. Um, certainly she was vulnerable, especially if you think about what an unhappy private life she had. You know, her parents splitting up when she was very young, her mother leaving home, then marrying into this family where she quite reasonably expected she would be looked after. And it turned out that she had got herself into a kind of marital trap um, that her husband loved somebody else. Uh, her in-laws, for all their goodwill, nevertheless were distant, um, difficult to communicate with, didn't seem to understand the predicament she was in. Um, she was very much left to her own resources. And she dug deep inside herself, and she discovered that not only did she have strength, she had a kind of... Um, legitimate defiance when she felt that she was uh, on the receiving end of injustice. A lot of her critics were surprised and indeed wrong-footed to discover just uh, how much steel there was inside Princess Diana. And uh, I mean, it made my life sometimes very difficult. But she had a wonderful sense of right and wrong. She um, did not uh, uh, give in easily. She knew when she had uh, a sort of, um, well, she had a very good moral compass and she knew when she was going in the right direction. And she was 
quite properly uh, impatience with obstacles that I might put in her way. You know, this is too difficult or that would be uh, contentious or maybe, you know, we should try it another way. She knew uh, what she was trying to achieve. She had a vision. And because of that, she worked hard. She earned the love, affection, loyalty, respect that we still give her to this day. What did she make of the incredible obsession that the media had with her, this, this, this insatiable fascination, the paparazzi, the chasing? She mentions it in that clip that I played earlier on, you know, how overwhelming it could be. Well, certainly she was the most public of public figures. But, you know, it's also worth remembering that royal people, you know, what we see of them is only a very, very small part of their lives. Most of the time, they do enjoy complete privacy. Uh, they have extraordinary material advantages. They are able to live lives of, of uh, um, pretty unparalleled material well-being. Um, Diana, though, just going back to her vulnerability, she was vulnerable because, as I said, of her, her, the private unhappiness she had. And she was able to recycle that into an understanding for other people who were excluded or unwanted. She said to me, Patrick, I can do this because I'm one of them. She meant that she had been unwanted, stigmatized. I mean, her critics uh, leveled the accusation at her that she was mentally ill. So she knew what it was like to be on the receiving end of very, very unfriendly coverage. And she used that to develop her own empathy for people for example, with HIV AIDS, with leprosy, um, mental illness, addiction, homelessness. It's a very long list of gritty humanitarian causes she supported. And she did it so well because she was able to relate on an emotional level with the people she met. And that's not something that traditionally was uh, what you expected from the royal family. I've heard you refer to it as putting the human in humanitarian. I'm speaking with Patrick Jeffson. He is a Princess Diana's former private secretary and chief of staff. Uh, we're talking about the 25th anniversary uh, of her passing, which comes up this Wednesday. When we come back, a bit more about her legacy and how this day will be marked on Wednesday and how it should be marked, how she should be remembered. That's next. It is a great pleasure to have Patrick Jeffson with us this half hour. He is Princess Diana's former personal secretary and uh, chief of staff, worked with her for a decade. We're talking about uh, her legacy, who she was, what she was like as we approach the 25th anniversary of her passing. Um, Patrick, about her sons, she, she always seemed, you know, to be protective of them as well, but also understood what it was that they would become. I remember you once saying that, you know, most people tell their kids not to meet strangers or not to talk to strangers, but she had to encourage her children to talk to strangers because it was part of who they were. Yes, that was a really nice story. Uh, I think it was the first time William did his big, his first big meet the people uh, afternoon, um, St. David's Day in Cardiff. He was only 10 and Diana said to him, you know, you're going to meet a lot of people today. And you have to remember that meeting you is going to be a memory for them that's going to last the rest of their lives. For you, it may be only 30 seconds. So you have to remember everything you do will be a memory for somebody else. And I think that's something that she instinctively knew that they would have to get used to, um, that royalty survives, I think, as long as there are these hundreds of thousands of individual memories. And... Uh, she wanted William and Harry not to 
be like normal children because she knew they couldn't be, but at least to understand what ordinary people's lives were like. So she would take them to the movies, to McDonald's, to theme parks, uh, to Disney World, uh, not to make them ordinary because she knew to their cost they would never be ordinary, but at least to understand that, certainly in William's case, the people over whom he would one day reign, he would understand something of their lives. And in the same way, she took them to visit homeless shelters, um, as she told me, uh, so that they knew not to be afraid of, of uh, challenging people and places. Do you see a lot of them when you see them today, when you see William and Harry today? Do you see that influence of their mum still? Uh, I mean, I think you know, with royal people, you can see anything you look for. Um, I... I'm not one of those who say, you know, they're just like her. I'm sure that within their own judgment, within their own uh, approach to their royal destiny, they have unconsciously absorbed a lot of what she taught them, a lot of what their father taught them. Ultimately, each of them has to choose how they deal with this extraordinary opportunity and burden they have been given. But I hope that Diana at least has left them with the clear impression, the clear knowledge that uh, the way to achieve anything is through compassion, through understanding other people, through good manners. She told them to be very appreciative of the people they, they grew up around, their protection officers, the people like me who, who ran their lives. And I think she taught them, too, that royalty is not about uh, what you can get out of it. It's about serving something bigger than yourself that requires sacrifice, and it offers enormous rewards, but it is also uh, extraordinarily um, isolating, can be very lonely, and therefore I'm sure she would have stressed for them the importance of finding wives who would be supportive partners in this extraordinary destiny they have. Did they? <laughs> well, I think it's too early to say. Um, she, of course... Interesting. I mean, the, the poignant thing for me is that I was with Charles and Diana when long before they were separated and divorced, as well as afterwards. And when they were together, many listeners in Canada will remember this. They were a wonderful double act, absolute world beaters. They were terrific together. And I still am convinced that with a bit more help, they might have managed to get through the difficulties in their marriage, might still be the future king and queen. Um, and Diana would still be with us. Unfortunately, I think when it, it came to it, there were more people wanted them apart than together. And uh, that is a mistake that she would not want anybody else to, to make. Um, this, this is the, the, the critical thing, that being royal is teamwork. It does require people who understand the kind of life you're living to give you support, encouragement, um, to give you direction and constructive criticism. Diana lacked all that. At the end of a long day, uh, somewhere in the provinces of England or on an overseas tour, she didn't go back to a friendly, warm, supportive family home. She went back to an empty apartment in a big, dark palace because her husband was away with somebody else. And that always would, would uh, hurt my heart that she would give so much in the day and yet receive so little in her own private life to replenish those emotional reserves that she gave so freely to those she met. 
I only have about 45 seconds, but in a, a few words, how should we remember her on Wednesday? Ah, with gratitude and with a smile. I mean, it sounds rather rather uh, serious, a lot of the stuff we've been discussing, Ben, but actually wherever you, you found Diana, you also found a lot of laughter. She always knew when to stop being too serious. She didn't like pomposity. She knew the rule book, but she didn't live by it. And um, she knew how to laugh at herself. And a hundred times uh, in a day, I would think, gosh, she can be hard work, but boy, she's always worth it. Best boss you'll Pat- ever had, my old captain said, and he was right. Patrick Jeffson, much appreciated. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ben. Good night.